21, verse 1, Matthew 21, 1, uh, and we'll just start, start reading, okay? Uh, when they approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples, telling them, go into the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey there tied with her colt. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say, well, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place so that was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. The prophet Zechariah. Zechariah said this, tell daughter Zion, see, your king is coming to you. Gentle, mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and they did just as Jesus directed them, which is a good idea, generally. Okay. <laughs> Uh, they bought the donkey and the colt. They, then they laid their clothes on them, and, and Jesus sat on them. And then a very large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Where's Judy? Did you guys do this in class today? All right. Um, <laughs> then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And then when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth uh, in Galilee. This is God's word. So it's been a while since we've been in Matthew's gospel, really since um, November, but we're picking it back up today uh, in this well-known story of Jesus' so-called triumphal entry. Okay, if you've heard of this story, okay, palm branches, Hosanna, the whole um, bit. When I was a little kid at the uh, Methodist church in Narden, they had a cross there and all the kids would come up and put their cross in it and they're branching it and do other stuff. Sorry, my brain went to Narden Methodist. Also, when we were a little kid, we had the alkalites. The kids who light the candles. Okay, my, my cousin Spencer almost lit the Methodist church on fire doing that. Because you don't hand little kids flames. Okay, You can hear that we're fine here, but not at that building. Okay, so anyway, sorry. This is, this entry into Jerusalem, this is the gun lap. You know what the gun lap is? You're running a race, the last lap, kaboom, you got one more lap. This is the gun lap for Jesus' first coming ministry, okay? So we've seen his birth into the Davidic family. Uh, we've seen John prepare his, his way by calling Israel to repent. You brood of vipers, turn, repent, bear fruits of repentance, for the axe is laid at the root of the tree. If you don't repent, you'll be thrown into the fire. If you do repent, you'll inherit eternal life. We've seen Jesus' uh, baptism to affirm John's ministry, right? John baptizes him, the heavens open, you should listen to what John has to say, okay? Um, we've seen Jesus prove that he's, you know, the second Adam, the better Adam, as he works through the temptations. Um, in the wilderness, we've seen Jesus teach, right? We spent all of 2021 just going through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaching, proving him to be the prophet like Moses. We've seen Jesus miracles over and over and over. His calling, his sending of the disciples, uh, his rebukes of unrepentant Israel over and over and over. Come back next week. That's just all it is, is Jesus hammering, 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 hammering. Uh, and now, but now it's Passion Week, okay? Like we're, we're at the end of, of Jesus' thing. He rides into Jerusalem on Sunday and he is killed on Friday. 
Okay, like the, the weight of what's happening here as he dr- rides into Jerusalem. This is a big deal, okay? And this ends the, the main assignment for his first coming, okay? His father, the father sends the son for this reason in his first coming, okay? Now there is a resurrection after this, spoiler, okay? If you didn't know, <laughs> there's a resurrection, there's 40 days of teaching about the kingdom of God, there's an ascension. He does come back to earth and, 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 or, or speaks from the heavens, I don't know, and visits a guy named Saul after this. Do you guys know that story? Like Jesus talks all through Acts. Like I thought we were done with him. No, he just keeps showing up and talking. And then uh, uh, several decades later shows up to an island of Patmos and talks to John. But other than that, this is the end of of the the first coming ministry, right? This is um, the end. At this point, he's about done with his main assignment. And and it's a big deal. It is his gun lap. So uh, let's get into it. Verse 1, they approach Jerusalem. So uh, chronologically, Matthew doesn't put it here, but Luke does. Chronologically, right before this, Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. Okay, he looks to the city, he starts sobbing. Like it, it, the, the, the Greek word for the worst cry you can ugly cry is given to Jesus. He sobs over the city. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't have me. You wouldn't repent, you wouldn't turn. He's sobbing, going into the city, knowing he's going to die. Knowing, I'm going to go give myself in love for these people, for this city. They're going to reject me, but he's doing it anyway. So he goes into Jerusalem. He sent two disciples saying, go to the village ahead of you, and you're going to find a donkey there tied with a colt. Untie him, bring him to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say, hey, the Lord said it, bring it, okay? And, And they'll do it, so the disciples go and do it. Kind of a weird story, right? So Matthew's doing one of two things here, I think. First, it's possible Jesus he, he's doing his Jesus is God bit, right? We've seen this several times. Like when he walks on water. Can you walk on water? If you keep looking at him, I guess you can, Peter. Okay, Jesus walks on water. Jesus tells storms to stop and they just... They stop and it sounds like this. Out on the sea, okay, right? He, he does so. He does these things. He, he uh, Reese's class. Little kids today. Woman at the well. He says, "I know you have you got five husbands." She goes, "How'd I know that? Or how'd you know that? Because I'm God." You know what I mean? So Matthew might be be doing that, and if that's what he's doing, awesome. Second, it's possible that there's just a disciple there that Jesus already knows who owns a donkey. Okay, this isn't Jesus' first trip into Jerusalem, and. Though the city as a whole is going to reject him, as the next seven chapters of Matthew will show, uh, it's likely when Jesus goes into Jerusalem before this, he made a disciple. And he happened to make a disciple who had a donkey. And so when the disciples went to this guy and said, hey, the Lord needs a donkey, he's like, you can have mine. I don't know. Either way, Jesus needs a donkey and he got a donkey. Okay? Anyway, so it, it doesn't matter. He just, he got a donkey. And why did he get it? Okay? Why did he get get it? Matthew believes that it's verse 4. This took place. He got the donkey, rode it into Jerusalem, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Okay? Now, Matthew does this a lot. Ten times, Matthew will see something Jesus does. uh, His birth, his, his escape to Egypt, his ministry in Galilee, this donkey ride, his crucifixion, and more. And will say, this happened to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. None of your other gospel writers do this. Okay, none of them appeal directly to the prophets like Matthew does in this way. And if you can remember way back to um, 2020, which feels like 10 years ago, it was just three. 
when we started Matthew, we said that one of Matthew's main goals, like the purpose of this gospel, is so that Matthew's Jewish people, his Jewish brothers and sisters, would recognize and believe that Jesus is their Messiah. Okay? He's not like an aberration in the story. He's Matthew saying, guys, he's he's the one that's been prophesied since Genesis 3 and Genesis 49 and, and all the way through the scripture. He's the guy. And that the things Jesus did and that the thing Jesus said affirm and confirm their scriptures and their worldview rather than change them. OK, like it's a big deal for Matthew to convince his brothers and sisters that he, he, this is the guy. This is the one. And so um, Jesus will do something and Matthew will write, yeah, just like Isaiah said. Okay, Jesus will do something and Matthew will say, just like Amos said, or just like Hosea said, to, to say, hey, this, this is your Messiah. This is your king. Okay, so Jesus gets on the donkey. He rides into the city so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. And here's what the prophet said, okay? Do you guys know what Zechariah said? Off the top of your heads? <laughs> I don't either. I have it written in front of me. For that reason, here's what Zechariah said. Verse 5, tell daughter Zion, tell, tell my precious people, my chosen possession of, of all the nations of the earth, tell them your king is coming to you, gentle, mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Okay? Now, when, when gospel writers and, and, and apostles and, and the like quote passages from the Tanakh, they don't quote the whole thing, right? It would just take too long. They, they'll write a phrase or two, and they know that their hearers understand the whole rest of the passage. Okay? So, to illustrate, are there any uh, anyone in here who was like late 90s, early 2000s listening to Christian music? Christian radio. Okay, so if, you, if, that, if that's my audience, I could sing the line, Sadie Hawkins dance... <laughs> right, yeah, and so my audience, they just hear that one line, and they know to say, in my khaki pants, there's nothing better, ooh, 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 right? Because they've, they've heard the thing, they know I'm quoting from the Christian band, Reliant K's mega hit about a Sadie Hawkins dance that weirdly played on Christian radio all the time. Very odd thing, Christian culture is so weird, um, but you know it, right? In my khaki pants, of course that's what Josh is talking about. In the same way, Matthew quotes from Zechariah 9 and applies it to Jesus, and they know the context. They know the rest of Zechariah's song. And so what is the context of Zechariah chapter 9? It's the rescue, it's the deliverance, it's the restoration of Israel. The context of Zechariah, all of Zechariah, but 9 through 14 especially, is the fulfillment of all of God's promises to Abraham, to David, and to the prophets. Okay, It's an oracle against Israel's enemies. It's a promise that God will shatter Israel's enemies by his anointed Messiah. That sounds cool, so let's read it. Okay, Let's read what Zechariah said, and let's read what their, their khaki pants is. Verse uh, 4, but behold... The Lord will strip all of Israel's enemies of her possessions and will strike down her power on the sea. Israel's enemies will be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid. Gaza too shall writhe in anguish. The king shall perish from Gaza and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. So Zechariah is just prophesying, looking into the future to the day when all of Israel's enemies from, from he's just listing a lot here of, over history will, that, that have tormented her. Zechariah is saying on that day, they'll be cut off. OK, Israel will be rescued. Verse eight, I, the Lord, will encamp at my house as a guard. What's the Lord's house? 
You've made my father's house a den of thieves. What's that? The temple, right? I will encamp at my house as a guard against those who march back and forth. And no oppressor will march against Israel again. For now I've seen with my own eyes. And then Matthew's quotation. He says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Some, some translations say he is righteous and having salvation. He's righteous and, and bringing deliverance from enemies. He's humble, riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. Right? That's what Matthew quotes. And they all go, in my khaki pants. There's nothing better. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Because they, they know the rest of the thing. And he, so he's prophesying this, and, and Israel's hearing, oh, deliverance from our enemies. No more exile, no more oppression, life, the, the eternal life promised in Genesis 3 and 12 and 15 and 17 and 49 and, and, and all the way. And at present, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, the city of the great king. But who's in charge of Jerusalem? The Romans, right? Is Jillian in here? No, she's doing kids today. It's so quiet in here. Oh my gosh. We did too good. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a terrible sermon or what. Like, it's just dead in here. We did too good of a job. (laughs) Anyway, it's the Romans who are in charge. The Romans are oppressing Israel. And Jesus rides in on a donkey. Matthew quotes Zechariah 9. And the Israelites are like, oh, sweet. He's about to run Rome out of here. Verse 10 of Zechariah 9. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse that goes against Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed. And he, this guy riding in, he will proclaim peace from Jerusalem to the nations. His dominion will extend from where? Sea to sea, from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Zechariah is quoting David in Psalm 72, who's quoting uh, God, what God said to Abraham in Genesis 15. From the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth, there will be peace. Verse 11, as for you, because of the blood of your covenant, I will release your prisoners from the waterless cistern, from the pit. Verse 12, return to a stronghold, you prisoners who have hope. Today I declare to you, I will restore Double to you. Verse 14, then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will fly like lightning. The Lord God will sound the ram's horn and advance with southern storms. 15, the Lord of armies will defend them. Their Sadie Hawkins dance is longer than ours, okay? (laughs) The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people, for they are like jewels in a crown sparkling over his land. How lovely and how beautiful. Grain will make young men flourish and new wine the young women. This is, this is the rest of the song. Okay, Matthew just says this and they're like, in my khaki pants. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, Zechariah keeps going though and it's awesome so we're going to keep reading it. Verse, chapter 10, verse 6. I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will deliver the house of Joseph. I will restore them because I have compassion on them. They will be as though I had never rejected them. For I am the Lord their God. I will answer them. Ephraim will be like a warrior. Their hearts will be glad as if with wine. Their children will see it and be glad. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle and gather them. Like Gandalf to Shadowfax, right? Come on, all right? 
I will whistle and gather them because I have redeemed them. They will be as numerous as they once were. Though I scattered them among the nations, they will remember me in the distant land. They and their children will live and return to Zion. I will bring them back from the land of Egypt, gather them from Assyria. The pride of Assyria will be brought down. The scepter of Egypt will come to an end. I will strengthen them in the Lord. They will march in his name. This is the Lord's declaration in my khaki pants. Oh, oh, oh. Right, this is what, what Matthew is communicating. Guys, everything Zechariah said, this guy riding into the city, he's the one. He's the guy that's going to do it. And, and, and Jesus knows this, okay? This is what Jesus is communicating. He comes into Jerusalem on a donkey on purpose, okay? He doesn't send the disciples on a random, random errand to go get him a cult. He, he knows Zechariah, right? In, in a weird way, he wrote Zechariah. You know what I'm saying? He's doing this on, on purpose. Jesus knows Zechariah 9 through 14. And in his ride in, he's saying, me, okay? I'm the guy. And not only does Jesus recognize it, the people recognize it too. We know this from their response. When they hear, hey, that guy Jesus that we've been hearing about, he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They go, ding, 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 ding. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Like this is what happens. They get it. They respond rightly. Verse 8. A large crowd spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from trees and spreading them on the road. Okay? So this is the Sunday crowd, right? Friday is kill Jesus crowd. Okay? Sunday is Jesus' awesome crowd. All right? So we've got this, this group here, uh, Jewish disciples who've been following Jesus from Jericho and Bethany. They're following him into the city. As, as you do. Um, second, there's Jewish disciples here who've already showed up in Jerusalem for the Passover. Okay, Passover is a big, massive deal. Um, uh, historian Josephus says there might have been like three million people in the city. Um, at, Josephus exaggerates a lot. Okay, sometimes says things that aren't true, but the point is there's a lot of people in here. Um, they've heard that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead earlier. They hear he's coming into the city, and they're like, okay, let's go see him, because if he's raising people from the dead, and if what he told Mary is true, that he is the resurrection and the life, and before Abraham was, I am, if he just said that stuff, the people in Jerusalem are like, he's the Messiah. He's the guy. So they greet him as he enters the city. They're responding to Jesus correctly, okay? These people with palm branches and shouting Hosanna and throwing their clothes on the road, they are not doing anything wrong. They are doing everything right. Okay? Sunday crowd. There's another crowd that's not here. Okay? It's the group of Pharisees, uh, others who live in Jerusalem, and other Jewish authorities. They show up Friday, not Sunday, and they're shouting, right? Crucify him. All right? Totally different people, totally different crowds, totally different responses. And I know that takes away like a favorite preacher phrase, right? You've probably heard it said, maybe I've said it, the same crowd that shouted Hosanna on Sunday, shouted crucify him on Friday. That's just not true, okay? So if you hear it, don't be the well actually guy, but just know in your heart, it's not, it's not true, okay? <laughs> so Jesus riding in, they're following him, and they welcome Jesus with branches and cloaks. And what do they say? Guys, they say exactly what you would say if you knew Zechariah 9 through 14. And they're saying exactly what you would say if we skipped reading Psalm 118. We were supposed to read Psalm 118 this morning, okay? 
They believe that Jesus is the one who would bring these things to pass, right? They see it, they know their Bible, and they say, oh, Hosanna. The crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118, Hosanna in the highest heaven. So Hosanna means God save. God, God deliver us. Hosanna, Hosanna, we've been in exile, out of exile. Please deliver us from our enemies. Hosanna, save us from, from Rome. Save us from Herod. Save us from these people. That's what Hosanna's about. And that's what the branches are about too. God, deliver us and, and save us. When, when Israel, uh, 170-ish years before this happened, they're under the thumb, not of Rome, but of, of Greece. And they revolt. They, it's it's the, the Maccabean revolt. If you've got a Catholic Bible, it tells you um, this story. And it's led by a Jewish priest named Judah or Judas the Hammer. You know why they call him Judah the Hammer? Because he kills people with a hammer. It's a, it's a bad nickname, okay? <laughs> Judah the Hammer, he defeats Rome, he cleanses the temple, he comes back in, and they welcome him in how? With palm branches, right? Second Maccabees 10, but now carrying green palm branches and sticks decorated with ivy, they paraded around singing grateful praises to him who had brought about the purification of the temple. So in the minds of the crowd, they said, hey, look, back when Greece was ruling over us, Judah came in, routed our enemies, and we welcomed him with palm branches. Now, 170 years later, Jesus is coming in. We're going to welcome him with palm branches because he's going to rout our enemy, the Romans, Okay. They've got Maccabean uh, stuff going on in their heads. And I just want to again say, this is a correct hope for them. Okay? For Israel to be under the thumb of Rome and to believe their Messiah is coming to rescue them from Rome is right. It's not misguided. It's not wrong. It's not ignorant. Okay? Okay? We're ignorant if we think they're wrong. They are absolutely right here to lay down their branches. They are absolutely right to shout, Hosanna, save us, deliver us, son of David. Okay, Because Jesus really is the promised king and son of David from 2 Samuel 7, who will. This is what, this is what the prophet says to David. The son of David will cut off all of Israel's enemies. He will cause them to dwell in their city in safety. He will establish an everlasting kingdom from Jerusalem that will rule all the nations of the earth. That's what 2 Samuel 7 says. And so when they see Jesus coming in, they lay down their palm branches because they're right. They're correct in this thing. And this is why Jesus doesn't correct them, right? He's coming in on a donkey. He's doing the Zechariah 9 thing. The people are putting down their palm branches. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, guys, hold up. Stop this, okay? I'm I'm actually not bringing a physical, literal kingdom on the earth like the prophet said. We're doing a spiritual thing here, so get rid of your Jewish national stuff. He doesn't say that at all. In fact, the Pharisees come, Luke's gospel, they come and try and stop everyone putting their palm branches and shouting Hosanna and doing the thing. And, And Jesus shuts them up, Luke 10, 19. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples, right? Stop this Hosanna deliverer, you know, end Roman oppression and stuff. And Jesus says, look, guys, if these people were silent, the stones would cry out. All right. Like Jesus, I think is just so happy that he's doing Zechariah nine and the people receive it. They're like, oh, it, like his heart is because he's going to be rejected by a lot of people later. And so right now, I just think this is a sweet moment before the cross. The crowds here 
understand who Jesus is and they're right. Okay, the crowds understand what Jesus, as the anointed promised one, son of David, will ultimately do. And so they respond with palm branches and clothes and Hosanna. Does that make sense? Okay, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. (laughs) I read 20 commentaries this week that said they were wrong. They're not wrong. They're right (laughs) to to understanding what Jesus is doing. Okay, but what they did not understand. Because you have to get here eventually, right? (laughs) What they did not understand and what almost nobody understood, what the disciples didn't understand was the timing of what Jesus was doing. Okay. Reading Zechariah 9, you you get a clear expectation uh, of the crown, right? Of the glory of the Lord covering the earth, of Israel being rescued, of all the good stuff. That's all in Zechariah 9 through 14. What you don't get a clear picture of is the cross before it, okay? The people have a clear expectation of the glory that's coming. They don't have a clear expectation of the suffering that's required before it. Does that make sense? They're right. Their, Their timing's off. Okay, this is what's happening. And there's lots of reasons why, why this is hard to get. One is just the nature of the scriptures that they possessed. Okay, so if you start in Genesis and read, uh, if you have a Jewish Bible to Second Chronicles or, or Protestant Bibles to um, uh, Malachi, if you read all that, there's lots of stuff about the glory of the Messiah and the glory of the kingdom and like all that, like it's just filled with good stuff when the prophets speak and when they're not rebuking Israel and, and other stuff, all the other stuff is good. It's just glory, and you read, and you're like, oh, yes! And the human heart focuses in on that stuff, right? One, just because there's, there's so much of it. Like, there's very little in your Old Testament about the suffering of the Messiah, right? Isaiah 53, we, we know that one. Like, that's kind of big, bold, neon. But man, the rest of your Old Testament is like, I did not see this coming. I did not see that the Messiah would have to suffer first and then enter into his glory, right? So after, again, spoiler, Jesus goes into the city, he's killed, then he gets raised from the dead. Big, important thing, okay? Uh, He's walking on the road to Emmaus with two men. What's he tell them? So you guys are foolish, slow of heart, and then he opens up the scriptures to them, which would have been the Tanakh, and and shows them, like, hey, all of this, like, did you not know that the Messiah had to suffer first and then enter his glory. And he has to show it to him. Because, again, it's just not super clear. Like, if you just open up your Old Testament and read it objectively, I don't see the suffering Messiah as, as often, okay? Because it's, it's not talked about as much. So that's one reason they're missing the timing. And then the second reason I think they're missing the timing, and, and that we do too, is just the nature of the human heart, Okay? There are things we just do not want to hear. Okay? Jesus has, at this time, told them multiple times. I think five times, four times at at this point in Matthew, that he is going to suffer and be killed at the hands of lawless men. Like, just point blank told them. And what does Peter say? What? May it never be. And then Jesus says, Behind me, Satan, you've you got the things of man in mind, not the things of God. He, he's told them this, and they're, they're not hearing it. He is going to suffer before entering his glory, and it's just not penetrating the human heart and mind. Okay? And, and you know, we're, we've been, we're Christians, we've been reading about the cross and all this stuff for 2,000 years, and we think, you know, it's obvious, it's not obvious. 
Okay, only a few actually understand and embrace what Jesus said concerning this. Okay, maybe John the Baptist understood, right? John one twenty nine, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, like a sin offering, who takes away the sins of the world." Maybe he knew. Mary of Bethany, maybe she knew. She anoints Jesus' feet um, with oil, right? Break, breaks her box, and Jesus says of her, John twelve, "Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial." Like maybe she knew. Maybe these 12 dudes around Jesus are like, never happened, and Mary's actually listening. I know that's hard to believe, okay? <laughs> but maybe she understood, and she breaks it, because she knows he's going to the cross. He told us, I receive it, I believe it, you can have everything. And so the crowds, they thought, and they were right to think, that he was going up to take his throne. But he knew that he was going into the city first to lay down his life, Okay? This is not a triumphal entry. It's not. He's not doing the crown thing here. This is not a triumphal entry. This is a death march for love. Love for his people, Israel. Love for his daughter, Zion. Love for his city. Love for the world. And we say today, March 5th, this is a march of love for you. For for people today. This is the primary purpose of Jesus' first coming. Okay? Like, is that, do you understand that? Like, his, his, his first coming is different than his second. In every way. It's just different. There's different purposes. It's a totally different mission. What he came to do the first time and what he's coming to do the second. Hebrews 9, I think, is, is just so succinct and perfect and, and lays this out clear for us. It says, so also Messiah, having been offered once... First coming, this ride into Jerusalem, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, right? Once to come as a baby, once to ride this lowly beast of burden, once to show mercy to his enemies, once to show patience to evildoers, once to die in love for sinners, once. Will appear a second time. Why? Well, not to bear sin. Okay? He's not coming and going to a cross again, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. Coming again to deliver, coming again to Hosanna, to those who are waiting for him. Does that make sense? They're absolutely right about the Hosannas. Like, this is the guy, this is the one who will deliver. Their timing's off. There is a cross before the crown. There, There is suffering before there is glory. And so the Jesus that we see in Matthew 21, humble, lowly, riding on a donkey, patient, merciful, wanting Israel to repent, wanting Rome to repent, this is who he is right now. At present, seated at the right hand of God, he is showing mercy to his enemies. He is showing humility towards his enemies. He is showing patience towards sinners. Because this is the mission of, of the first coming. Does that make sense? Like he, He's not doing the second coming stuff yet. Obviously. Obviously. Jerusalem's king came riding into his city, gentle and mounted on a donkey. The first portion of Zechariah's prophecy. You know what I mean? But the rest of the prophecy, everything I just read, awaits his second coming. Jesus is going to come again, not on a donkey, but... John John thinks it's a white horse. Shadow facts again. Thinks it's a white horse, Revelation 19. He's, he's coming again, not on a donkey, but on a horse, not to die for his enemies, but to rout his enemies. 
Not to send Israel to exile, but to deliver them. And he's coming again to save the world. Okay? I've had the musicians come up. And so here's, here's the deal. Bring it back to Sunday, March 5th. For you to inherit the promised future, the salvation of the world, for you to say Hosanna and, and receive what you're asking, for you to be delivered on that day. Paul says to be delivered from sin and death. To be delivered from the bondage to decay. And Paul says Galatians 1. To be delivered from the present evil age. You must, like the crowds, respond to Jesus rightly. Okay? This is how you receive salvation. You must respond to the ministry of his first coming. Trusting that his work in the cross forgives your sins. And pardons your guilt if you'll repent. Okay? Does everyone hear that? If you repent of your sins and put your trust in Jesus' cross, you will actually inherit eternal life. No, like, no gimmicks, no games. Your life could have just been the most wicked thing imaginable. And if today you will say, I'm going to believe that, I'm going to put my trust in that, you will inherit eternal life. You will not get what you deserve. Okay? So you got to respond to his first, the, the, the ministry of his first coming. You got to respond to the cross. You got you, you got you got to. There's no way around this and you must respond to the ministry of his second coming. Trusting that he is not a liar, that he is not slow as some count slowness and that he will come again just as he said he would. In flaming fire to raise the dead and save the world. Okay? That's what we want to be about. We want to see Jesus coming into the city and say yes to the crown, yes to the glory, yes to all the stuff. Like, don't mitigate that. Don't try and spiritualize that. Don't whatever. Say, yes, Jesus is coming to save the world. Jesus is coming to save Jerusalem. Jesus is coming to do everything the prophet said he would do. Okay? We're not going to lessen that ever. But also do what the crowds didn't understand on this Sunday and also embrace the cross before. Carry it now, suffering before we enter glory. Okay? So members of Christian Life Church, this is what my life is going to be about. Encouraging you in this. Encouraging you. Embrace the cross because there's a crown coming. Embrace the king and and carry his... Like, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to do. And if you're not a member, okay? You're not a... a, a, Or you're you're not a believer today. Man, don't leave today... Not trusting in Jesus' cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And definitely don't leave today not trusting in in Jesus' return and promise to make all things new. So if you have questions about anything I said or anything, I mean, whatever, anything else, talk to a member of our our church. If you're sitting next to them, they can tell you, hey, what's that about? They can tell you what it means to follow Jesus, to repent of your sins and to stay on the path that leads to life. If you want to talk to them, you can talk to me or, or any of our elders um, afterwards today. So let's stand. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond to God's word um, in, in worship, lifting up our hearts. So, uh, so if you would, just, just lift your hands with me. Father, we uh, love you, and we receive Jesus as king today. God, we, we, we want our hearts to be those that, um, God, if Jesus came, when he comes... God, riding into the city, that we would be those who are saying, Hosanna, God saves. We are those casting our our palm branches and clothes on the road saying, we love you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. 
So God, we ask now that the Spirit of God would help us, would lift up our hearts, would cause our hearts to burn in love for Jesus and trust in Jesus and allegiance to King Jesus. In the name of Jesus, everyone said.